So today we are concluding our four-week uh, stewardship series, our annual stewardship series. We started, can you believe, almost a month ago. Um, we began with a sermon from Pastor Emmanuel entitled The God Who Multiplies. Uh, we followed that up with a message, video message from Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church in Dallas. And we watched a message called Who's the Owner? Last week I shared a message on a topic who's winning and uh, this week we're going to conclude the series with a message I've entitled let's talk about the T word let's talk about the T word and that T word is there you go so turn with me to second chronicles did someone say time tithe tithe not time tithe tithing second chronicles chapter 31 and we're going to read a few verses from verse 5 onwards. Second Chronicles chapter 31. I'm going to read from verse 5 onwards. It says, as soon as the people behind the camera start my time, then I will know how much time I have to go. Thank you. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all of the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord their God, they laid in heaps." In the third month, they began laying them in heaps and they finished in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people. Verse 9. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left for the Lord has blessed his people and what is left is this great abundance now Hezekiah commanded them to prepare rooms in the house of the Lord and they prepared them then they faithfully brought in the offerings the tithes and the dedicated things Conaniah the Levite had charge of them and Shimea his brother was the next amen so we're talking about the T word and of course the T word is tithing, and I guess we have to begin by asking ourselves, what is tithing, or what does tithing mean? And simply put, tithing means tenth, and with that, it means that we bring 10% of our income back to God. Now, the Word of God has a lot to say about tithing, and in and above that, it has a lot to say about offerings that we can learn from and today I want to show you five of those things and so here's my first point to you should you be taking notes number one when you bring the tithes and offerings God blesses you when you bring the tithes and offerings God blesses you I thought someone would say amen there in the scripture we just read Hezekiah begins a reform when a reform is taking place, it means to change things, to correct things, to improve things, to do things differently. 
And it was important for Hezekiah to do this because before he encountered the throne, there was a king that went before him called Ahaz, who the Bible refers to as one of the uh, evil kings. He was a wicked man who did evil things, um, pagan worship, idols, you name it. He was a state. And so after his reign, Hezekiah steps in to now create this reform to try and change things and make things better. And one of the first things that Hezekiah does is he doesn't call a prayer meeting. That's not one of the first things he does after he cleanses the temple. He doesn't call a Bible study. He doesn't get the leaders together. He doesn't get the church together, typically how we would do today. One of the first things he does as part of this reform is tell the people to bring their tithes and their offerings. Now, there's three things that I want to point out to you from those few verses that we have just read a moment ago. The first thing I want to point out to you is found in verse 5, and they can put it up on the screen for me. In verse 5, it says, as soon, someone say as soon, as soon as the decree went out, they obeyed. In other words, right away, as soon as the instruction was given, as soon as they heard the command, as soon as they got the revelation from the four-week series that Hezekiah might have preached. As soon as they got the information, they started to tithe. The second thing I want to point out to you is found in verse 9 and 10, which says, since. Someone say, since. The very fact that it says since means that there was a time where they were not bringing in the tithes and offerings. And that is evident from the scripture that we just read. But the moment that changed the scripture we just read said that they had more than enough that the lord blessed them that there were heaps and the third thing i want to point out to you is found in verse 12 verse 12 says they were faithful in giving their tithes offerings and dedicated things faithful means through the good and through the bad not just when they were able to and if you were here last week or you were online or you've heard the podcast, you would have heard me speak about the difference between someone who has a head transplant and someone who has a heart transplant. One reacts based on what they heard in a moment and responds. One is about change and being faithful and being consistent. And note, you will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. And it's when you tithe that God provides for you and God gives to those who he knows he can trust to steward his finances well. Now, if you look at verse 12 again, you will see that they brought in not just the tithes, but they also brought in the offering. Again, if you were here last week, I highlighted Malachi chapter 3, where the people asked him, how are we robbing you, God? And God said in tithes and offerings, not tithes or offerings, tithes and offerings. And I reminded us that God has an expectation of us not just to return the tithe, but also to give him our offerings. And when we look at the reform that Hezekiah was to lead, there is a pattern for us to learn from when we look at the scripture, when it comes to Hezekiah and the people. And that's a pattern of obedience and faithfulness. Someone say obedience. Someone say faithfulness. Now look at Second Chronicles chapter 31, verses 20 and 21. So that same chapter, 
But scroll down to verses 20 and 21 and look at what the word of God says about Hezekiah when he conducted this reform. It says in 2 Chronicles 31 verses 20 and 21, it says, Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. Someone say good. Someone say right. Someone say true. He did what was good. He did what was right. He did what was true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. All his heart. Do you remember me saying giving is about what? The heart. He did it with all his heart. And then what does it say? So he, so he prospered. Now talking of the heart, this leads me to my second point this morning, which is tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. Tithe means tenth and ten typically represents testing in scripture. There were 10 plagues in Egypt. God tested Pharaoh's heart 10 times. God gave Moses 10 commandments. God tested Israel 10 times while they were wandering in the wilderness. God tested Jacob's heart by allowing his wages to be changed 10 times when he was working for Laban. Daniel was tested for 10 days in the first chapter of the book of Daniel. And this pattern continues in the New Testament as well. In Matthew chapter 25, we see 10 virgins who had their readiness tested. And we see 10 days of testing are mentioned in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. Tithing is a test. What is it a test of? It's a test of our heart. And incidentally, the only place in the word of God that God allows you to test him, the only place he allows you to test him is when it comes to your tithes and your offerings. And he says, when you do this, see if I will not bless you. See if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing onto your life. However, unfortunately, a lot of people fail this test and they have to recede it time and time and time. And they still don't get it because their heart is not in the right place. Someone say tithing is a test. Here's the third point that I want to give to you this morning. All of the tithe and offerings belong to God. All the tithes and offerings belong to God. Let's look at Malachi chapter 3, which I alluded to a moment ago, and verse 10. Have you found Malachi 3.10? Not yet? Need some time? Have you found Malachi 310? No? Still there? You got the pages, so it's good. You just need to go to Matthew and then go back. Go back one. That's the quickest way to find it. Welcome. This is my job. This is what I'm here for, you see. <laughs> Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 says, Bring some of the tithes into the storehouse. Is that what your version says? What does it say? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this some versions say test me now in this says the lord of hosts if i will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it bring all the tithe it all belongs 
to God. Now, there's a couple of things I want to point out from this scripture. Firstly, note the language is bring, not give. It's bring because it belongs to him. Who here has a phone that I can borrow? Can I borrow your phone? So imagine I borrow Abim's phone. Thank you. You can wait there because I don't want to limp all the way back. So I make a call. Hi. Yeah, Abim got all the announcements wrong today, but it's all good. Cool. And then I say to Abim, um, I've got a gift for you. I really want to bless you with something. Here's an iPhone for you. God bless you. She says it's not a gift. Why is it not a gift? Because it's hers. And it's the same thing when it comes to our tithes unto God. When we bring our tithes to God, it's not that we are giving him a gift. We are returning to him what is already his, okay? So the language is bring. When you don't bring it, that is when you are keeping what doesn't belong to you. And that's why God said in that scripture that you rub me in tithes and offerings. Now note he said bring all of the tithe to him. Because sometimes people want to split the tithe. I want to give 5% to the church and 5% to charities. Giving to charities is good, but your giving to charities should be in and above your tithes. The, all the tithes belong to God. Someone say all. Now the second thing that I want to bring to your attention from this topic or from this scripture on the topic of all belonging to God is one of the most common questions I am asked when it comes to tithing. And that question is, do I tithe on the net or do I tithe on the gross? How many of you have heard that question before? How many of you have asked that question before? Do I tithe on the net or do I tithe on the gross? Well, imagine I have some money here. Okay. Right. And so imagine... I'll borrow Maureen for this. Yes, please. So imagine I've got to pay some bills, right? Which I do. Um, and I'm paying my bills, let's say mortgage, rent, council tax, okay? Um, by the way, I have 100 pounds here. My bill is obviously more than 20 pounds, but you get the illustration. Um, what else? Gas and electricity. What else do you have to pay when you're adulting? Phone bill, television, water bill, internet, Netflix, if you don't steal someone else's thingy, so, and all that cool stuff. Yeah, gym and everything else. What else do you need to pay? Food, council tax, travel. It's hard being an adult, isn't it? Okay. Right? Insurance. You ain't getting no more money from me, yeah? So, all right. So, I've given all of that. I've paid all of that, and I have 40 pounds left in my hands, right? Question, if, this, uh, if out of this 40 pounds I have in my hands, I tithe 10%, which is four pounds, have I tithed of all of my income? No. 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 Because this is all of my income. I've just tithed on what's left, okay? And it's the same principle when it comes to the tax man. Because some people will say, but I don't see this. The tax man gets this. So this is what I've got left to tax off. Actually, not true because this all belongs to you. It's just that you don't have a choice as to whether you give it to the tax man or not. But it's actually all yours. And the tax man doesn't wait for you to pay your tithe. 
before he takes what belongs to him. So it's actually all yours. And even though you still have those bills to pay, which are important, God wants you to tie from all of your income because he is saying to you that in and above the tax man and every other bill that you have to pay, I am your ultimate source. I am the one that has blessed you with the ability to even pay your bills. Therefore, give to me what is mine and then from the rest of that, you pay your bills. This is why he says in the scripture, the first is mine. God doesn't want your leftovers. He doesn't want your leftovers. He says, bring to me what is mine. Thank you. Have you got any more of my money left on there? So. Okay, cool. Just making sure. Okay. He says, bring to me all that is mine. And if you still don't understand the example, I'll be more than happy to explain it further to you in person at the end of the service if you are in the auditorium. And if you're online, join us for Connection Group because these are the kind of things that we talk about. Now, talking of common questions asked, another question that I'm often asked is whether my salvation is affected if I don't tithe, to which the answer is no. And with that, I've noticed that some people don't tithe because it has no relevance to their salvation. For such people, it's more about religion than it is giving out of love. And though it doesn't affect your salvation, I will say that if you don't bring to God what is his, don't expect more. Don't expect more. Because in Malachi 3.11, he says, I will rebuke the devourer when you do. Which means that if you don't, he is not obligated to. And unfortunately, I have seen many people struggle with the devourer and not even know it. They didn't know it because the devourer didn't come for their finances alone. It actually came to fight for their mind and peace of mind. It actually came to fight for their physical health and many other things. And on the topic of physical health, I liken tithing somewhat to good nutrition and exercise. Good nutrition and exercise has proven to be the antidote for good and healthy living. How many people here exercise? How many people here eat healthy? So, so. Um, is it going to affect your, your salvation if you, you don't exercise? No? So why do you do it? Because you want to stay fit, right? You want to stay healthy. You want to get through life as smoothly as possible, okay? You want to, in some cases, prolong your life. I liken tithing a bit to like good nutrition and exercise. You don't need to do it to live life, but when you do so, you can prolong your life and you can enjoy the benefits that come with health and exercise, and you can get through life more smoothly. The same principle applies to tithing. Someone who doesn't tithe can still live like one who doesn't exercise. However, they shouldn't complain if they feel heavy. They shouldn't complain if they feel sluggish, if they are not sleeping well or have health challenges as a result of not tithing. Do you get the metaphor, by the way? Okay, cool. So, when it comes to tithing, it's a little bit like good nutrition and exercise. You don't have to do it, but you do it because you want God to bless you and you want to return 
to him what is his and you want him to rebuke the devourer for your sake. And when a person does tithe, again, it can be likened to the person who eats well and exercises. They are sharper, they think better, they feel better, and they can do more. And likewise, when it comes to our finances, God can trust the person who ties faithfully with more. He can give them ideas and he can cause their business to flourish. He can cause that person to have favor. He can cause that person to gain additional income streams. He can give you more than money can buy. But that's only if God knows he can trust you to be faithful with your giving. In Luke chapter 16, verse 10, it says, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Interesting verse. He who is faithful in what is least, the least that is required of you, is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is the least expected of them is unjust also in much. And we have to be very careful, ladies and gentlemen, when a sports agent can take up to 28%, but the passionate sports player isn't concerned because of the riches they have or their desire for that sport. We have to be very, very careful. We have to be careful when the sports agent takes 28%, when a literary agent can take up to 15% on hard books alone, not including e-books or the like, should you get a publishing contract, but the happy writer is not concerned about that as long as they can get the material out. We have to be careful when a recruitment agent can take up to 20% of your income and sometimes even more, but the person who wants the job doesn't care about that and is happy to overlook that at the expense of gaining a job and some income. We have to be careful when the tax man can take 20 to 45% of your income, but you still want more income. We have to be careful when we are comfortable with all of these things. However, when God asks you to return the 10%, the minimum 10%, it is a problem. Because let me tell you, the people of the world don't care when they have to take the 15, the 20, the 28%. How much more us when God asks us to bring the 10%? Here's my third point to you this morning. Is it my third or fourth? Fourth, my fourth point to you is tithes and offerings are unto God, but for your good. Tithes and offerings are unto God, but for your good. Now, if we go back to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Remember, God doesn't need you to be blessed. You need God to be blessed. And the focus is on you. Hence, when he says, when you give to me, I will return to you. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. In Proverbs 3, verse 9, and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new 
wine. Now you might just read that verse quickly and you might have just missed how many yours are in that verse. So look at it again. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase so that what your barns will be filled with plenty and what your vats will overflow with new wine. As I said last week, it always astonishes me that God still says, I will bless you and give you more when he's done more than enough for us already. He still says, honor me and I will give you more, so much more that there will not be room enough to receive it. The focus is on you being blessed by him. And here's my next point this morning. Tithing is the minimum standard. Tithing is the minimum standard. Another common question pertaining to tithing that I often hear is that tithing is Old Testament or it's the law. Therefore, why do we still need to tithe? However, if you've been tuned in over the series, you would have learned that tithing actually precedes the law. We see that Abraham gave a tithe of his income to Melchizedek before the law existed. Not to mention that Jesus refers to tithing in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23 and in Luke 11 verse 42. He says, all these things you have done, which is good, but you should not have left the others undone. And you can go and research and study the context of what he's talking about and you will see that he is talking about the tithes. Further to this, Hebrews chapter 7 verses 7 to 10, scripture also refers to Jesus receiving the tithe. And I know, I know a lot of people who will argue for reasons as to why they shouldn't pay the tithe. Plenty of people out there online, maybe even some in here today. But one thing I will tell you that is of a standard when you research and when you speak to scholars even on this topic who don't agree with tithing. One thing I can tell you is that those who argue against the tithe cannot and do not deny that the New Testament standard is higher and 10% is actually the minimum. And that is because we are called to a higher standard of living when it comes to the New Testament. The standard of love is always higher than obligation. Please write that down. The standard of love is always higher than obligation. The standard of the New Testament is excellence. It's higher than the Old Testament. And I'll prove it to you with a couple of scriptures. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 22, and of course it will come up on the screen, it says, you have heard that it was said to those of old. Someone say old. You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. This is Jesus speaking. Should be in red in your Bibles. He's referring to old, right? You've heard it said of old, you shall not murder. But then what is he going to say? But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Do you see how the standard of the New Testament is higher than that of the old? In the old, if you murdered, it was a problem. Jesus says, even if you get angry without a cause towards your brother, you're in danger of judgment. When you go down to verse 27 and verse 28 of Matthew chapter 5, again, 
Jesus says, you have heard that it was said to those of old. Someone say old. You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Do you see the standards again? In the Old Testament, if you committed adultery, it was a problem. In the New Testament, Jesus says, even just looking at a woman to lust for her, you have already committed adultery with her in his heart. And I could go on to prove to you that the standard of the New Testament is higher than that of the Old Testament. So if the tithe was Old Testament and a standard 10%, what do you think the New Testament standard is? It's higher than the minimum. It's a higher standard of giving, a higher standard of obedience, and a higher standard of faithfulness and excellence. Not to mention, if something was wrong under the law, does it mean that it is right under grace? Murder was wrong under the law, right? Is it right now that we're under grace? So if tithing was right under the law, does that mean it's wrong under grace? No. The New Testament standard is always higher. Oh man, but PK, what is the church going to do with my money? I want to know. Well, firstly, we already established it's not your money, it's God's. But it's interesting because I was having a conversation with a couple of brothers in the week and I was saying that I actually have no problem whatsoever in this church or in any church with anyone wanting to know how the finances are stewarded in this church. No problem whatsoever. We have nothing to hide. P and the guys will tell you that I manage church money similar to how I manage my own personal money, which should be no surprise because how you manage an organization's finances is going to be reflective of how you manage your own finances. And my wife will tell you I'm not stingy, but I'm frugal. And so when she tells me she wants to buy something, I'm asking the same question I asked the guys at church. Chim is smiling. He will tell you, is there anywhere we can get this cheaper? <laughs> like, are we paying six pound for, for a ream of paper? And there's a pound shop around the corner? You know, and we'll go back and forth because I want to be a faithful steward of God's money. And I have no problem with people asking questions. I do have a problem, however, when people are quick to ask questions of the money that they give to the church and very slow to call up cancer research or save the children and question where their £2 donation that they give every year went. When some of these charities have multi-millions of pounds stored up in which most of it goes to personnel and very little actually goes to the cause. I have nothing against those charities. I'm just saying that we can be very quick sometimes to look at where our money goes with the church, but we don't stop to think or call the charities that we give to and ask them where our money is going to. But just for example purposes, just for example purposes, let's say that we did mismanage the finances here at church. Just for example purposes. We've made it clear that we don't. But just for example purposes, let's say that we did mismanage the finances at church. Question, when you give your tithes and your offerings, would you lose out on your reward as a result of that? No. Why? Because you're giving unto God. It's the same thing as giving to a homeless person. 
Sometimes we don't want to give to a homeless person. Why? Because we question how they're going to spend it, right? Are they going to go and spend it on substance misuse or the like? But question, even if they go and spend it on drugs or alcohol, do you lose out on your blessing as a result of giving to them? No. God wants us to be faithful and obedient in our giving, understanding that we are not giving to man, we are giving to God. And when we do that, he is the faithful judge and he is the faithful rewarder. Another comment that I hear people say is, oh, but the pastor's just going to run away with my money. And we've seen articles and stories in the media of how that has happened. Interestingly enough, many people who complain about that haven't actually experienced it themselves. They've just heard it said. They've not experienced it themselves. And as I said during Connection Group on Thursday, trust me, ministry is the last place for a person to go if they're thinking about earning money. Okay, so let's just make that clear. It is the last place. But again, I don't see people of the world having a problem with paying thousands of pounds to go to football matches across the globe, paying their own airfare, going to places that I would never go to just to go and watch a football team play, spending all sorts of money. I never hear them complaining about the thousands of pounds that those footballers are earning a week. Those same footballers who don't know them, those same footballers who they will buy shirts and wear their name on their back, but that footballer doesn't even know they exist. But yet, when it comes to church circles, we're forgetting that people gave up their lives and became martyrs for the gospel. And we have a problem when it comes to how finances are used in the church. Let's not be distracted and give ourselves justifications as to why we shouldn't give, but realize that when we are giving, we are giving to honor the Lord our God. And finally, this morning, the last point that I want to give to you, I don't know if it's five or six, that's why I'm not counting numbers anymore. I'm just saying the last point that I want to give to you is God doesn't recall your sin, but he recalls your giving. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't recall your sin, but he actually takes stock of your giving. And I can prove it to you. Acts chapter 10. Look at verses 1 to 4. In Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. It's so funny. Every time I read that verse that he was um, called the Italian regiment, I just think of gangsters, mafia, straight away. But in verse 3, it says, About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said to him, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. An angel of the Lord came down to Cornelius and said, Not just your prayers, your arms have come up as a memorial before God. What is arms? Arms is giving of either your food, your resources, and money 
to the kingdom of God or to those who are in need. And heaven noted it. If heaven wasn't taking record of it, there was no way it could have come up as a memorial. The only way it came up as a memorial is because heaven was taking note of his giving. And I find it fascinating that we serve a God who washes away our sins, but he actually records our levels of giving. Why? Because giving is a heart issue. Because giving is a heart issue, and God is always after your heart. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. See? I got this, man. Been doing this for a few years now. God is always after our heart. And that's why he keeps a record of our giving, even though he washes away our sins. And as we conclude this four-week series, I want you to take a moment to think about your giving unto God, whether you've been faithful in your tithes and in your offerings, whether you've been someone who is generous or whether you have been someone who's allowed the Judas to win in your heart, as I spoke about last week, as opposed to the Mary in your heart to win. And so, church, I want us to take a moment to bow our heads right now and just reflect on everything that's been said, not just today, but over the four weeks in which we have covered this series, and say, Lord, search my heart. Where I have robbed you of the tithe and the offering, forgive me, Lord, that I may come back before you and be faithful and honest and obedient in my giving. Where I've robbed you in my offerings, or maybe I've given my tithes, but I've not given my offerings, forgive me, Lord, that I may be faithful in this. Why don't you ask God to forgive you now? If you're the person in here who was tithing, was giving your offering, God blessed you, you had testimonies upon testimonies, but then you were quick to forget God. You were quick to forget his kingdom. Just ask him to forgive you right now and make a decision that I want to get back on track with my giving when it comes to my heart and God. Thank you, Lord. We magnify your name. Search our hearts, Lord Jesus, that we may be selfless people, kingdom people who are focused on you. In Jesus' name, amen.